Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the Nordic Football Podcast. My name is Jonathan Faduba, and I'm joined by my good friend and co-host, Steve Wiss. Steve, we're back for another week's episode. How are you today? Jonathan, it's good to be with you, uh, as always, uh, my friends. I'm doing well, you know. Um, international breaks uh, been and gone. Recharge my batteries a bit, and um, you know we're into this uh, October period of uh, what four four match days in a row, and uh, yeah, looking forward to it. I hope you're doing well. Yeah, I'm good, thanks. And you sound incredibly chirpy. So you know, considering Leeds United lost, uh, you you sound very upbeat. Um, <laughs> we'll move on from that. That little dingy. Um, and yeah, we've got a, we've got a really bumper show today for you guys. Uh, a huge amount of talking points. Obviously, hopefully you tuned into our last episode and we had an exclusive interview with Mohamed Saeed, um, the striker at IK Sirius, had some really interesting insights from Mr. Saeed about Swedish football growing up in in, uh, in Sweden and in, you know playing in the Premier League as well as a young player and gave us a lot of advice as well and talked about Sirius as an incredible season. So don't forget to obviously subscribe and you know go back in the archives if you want to listen to, to that. But yeah, today we have got a lot to get through and we're going to start in Norway and well there's plenty to talk about we're going to talk about Mulder we're going to talk about Mjondalen and Bran we're going to talk about Christiansen Rosenborg we're going to talk about Viking we're going to talk about some ugly incidents that have taken place in Norway this weekend and we're also going to preview the upcoming Europa League game between Dundalk from Ireland and Mulder who meet in the Europa League side as Mulder look to represent for Norway in Europe We'll then move on to part two and we'll talk about Sweden. A uh, huge game between Djurgården and the champions and Malmo, the top of the table side. Uh, that was a game that seriously had a, a riveting end to it. And yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that in part two. And we'll also talk about the title race there in Sweden and what's going on. Um, there's been a big talent being scouted by Manchester United in Sweden as well. We'll talk about that. And we'll also look at the bottom of the table. And a couple of transfers have taken place out of Sweden as well, which we'll dig into so stay tuned get yourself ready put the kettle on or you know get your popcorn or whatever you know your beer whatever you want to accompany you with this show and i hope you will enjoy it steve we're going to get straight into it with norway the unbeaten run is over isn't it it's the end of buddha glimpse fantastic run they nearly got through the whole season unbeaten uh, we talked about them so much on this on this podcast this season but uh, they came up against molder this past weekend and it was a crazy game wasn't it yeah, just to go back to the uh, the Leeds uh, result that you mentioned there, uh, just to actually be back in the Premier League on Monday Night Football, that's enough to put a smile on my face, Jonathan. It was a long, long wait. But um, yes, Mulder for Buda Glimp 2. And, and this match was pretty much as I expected it to go. And I think a lot of people expected it to go. There was, I mean, Buda Glimp had um, it was probably the one match this year they've had bad team news for. Um, obviously, they sold Jens Petter Holger to AC Milan a few weeks ago. But there was injuries to Philip Zinkenagel. There was Sondre Fett was out. Um, Alphonse Samsted was 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 ruled out as well. They had a, a suspension in defence. Um, you know, the team just seemed a little bit on the lightweight side, really, Jonathan. And um, it was probably the wrong time to take on Mulder, who, you know, pound for pound, still maybe have the best squad in the league now, now that Jens Petterhorg has gone. They can more than match um, Glimt on their day. And um, Glimt actually took the lead. It was a, 
really good individual goal from a, a youngster to watch you out, keep your eye on. Sebastian Tunecti, 18-year-old um, sort of winger, playmaker in the final third. And he, well, he, he looks like he's got a really uh, good future with the goal he scored. But Mulder, in the end, just showed their their extra attacking qualities. Magnus wolf Ikram was in really good form. He, he, he raises it on the big occasion, I think, Magnus wolf Ikram. He... Um, He's the best player in the league for my money uh, when he's in the mood, and he, he was in the mood here. He he, he was very creative, and um, yeah, Glimp just didn't quite look their, their own selves, and it was a deserved win for Mulder. But Glimp didn't disgrace themselves; they pulled it back to four-two. Could have gone back to four-three, and who knows what would have happened there. But it was an exciting top of the table clash. Um, I mean, Mulder Glimpton are still uh, they're sixteen points clear at the top now, so. They, uh, they're still very well situated, but um, yeah, deserve win for Mulder. It's good to hear. And um, yeah, I'm sorry, just uh, tucking into a bit of carrot cake actually um, while listening to you. So you're not going all vegan on me, are you? I've got my cup of tea and I've got a nice slice of carrot cake. Um, are they missing Patrick Berg then? Uh, sorry, are they missing Jens Peterhauger then, Steve? Of course, look, they, they would. Uh, any team would miss someone of his quality. He, he's been the, one of the best players in the league this year. But when you actually factor in Philip Zinkanago was missing as well, you know, th- th- God knows how many goals and assists they've had between them uh, this year. You, you can understand it, can't you? And and away against perhaps the t- the toughest opposition they can have, you know, it just all things came in, into one, and uh, you know things were against them, and they were going to lose eventually, and. Um, you know, the good news is, like I said, they're 16 points clear at the top. They only need, uh, what, uh, another 12 points now to, to win the title. So, you know, they actually didn't lose too much ground because Rosenborg dropped points. Um, that's four wins. That's all they need. And then they are the champions of Norway. And, uh, you know, they've still got some very favourable fixtures, even if they kind of just go off the rails a bit. You know, they've got down at home. They've got Allersund at home. And Allersund are absolutely bloody awful. Um, I've not got them down. We need to mention them, actually. Um, they're not on our list here, but Olsen was shocking. Um, and, and But they've got favourable fixtures. Buda Glimt, uh, I'm pretty sure they'll um, they'll have a nice end to the year. Uh, but, yeah, I, I enjoyed watching this game. It was exciting. What are Norwegian football's all about, about really? Fantastic stuff, yeah. And um, that's the first time that Buda Glimt have lost a game since December the 1st, 2019, which is quite incredible, really, isn't it? Nearly nearly managed to go a whole calendar year without a defeat, just about. I uh, didn't do it, but they're still on course for the, the title, which would be a historic occasion for the club. So, you know, as things go, one defeat in, in 21 games isn't so bad. Uh, their manager came out post-match, Kieti Knutsen, and said, we let in four easy goals, and he wasn't too happy with the defensive performance. But, uh, you know, looking ahead towards, you know, the end of the season, they're still in a good place, aren't they, Steve? Very good place. And, uh, you know, they'll have players coming back from injury, suspension coming up soon. And, uh, yeah, I would expect... I think there might be the odd hiccup going forwards again. You know, it's just the way it is now. Um, but, uh, yeah, I wouldn't worry too much about them. Mulder are a good side. And uh, Mulder may well go on to actually claim the silver medal as long as the Europa League campaign doesn't sort of distract them too much. So, um I, they had a bit of a hiccup molder. I think they may be over it now. It was a good performance. Yeah, and the next three games are Neon Dallin, Christiansen and Arlison. So 
three teams that you'd expect them to probably win. And, you know, by that time, they could even be champions, couldn't they? Yeah, they could. And, uh, I mean, Rosenborg were the nearest to them going into the round. Now Mulder moved to second place. Uh, I mean, that's just presuming all the... All, I mean, Mulder, just to get to the amount of points Budaglund have now, they've got to get 16 points, which is, what, five wins and a draw. And there's only nine games left. So it's not even... It, it may be feasible that they just need, like, a couple more wins to win the title. That's how dominant they've been in the first 20 rounds. And uh, it is nothing to worry about at all. Um, really, I think they're going to be uh, they're going to get over the finishing line and in style. I mean, it was still there were still some very positive things from the Budiglin performance, but it just happened to be he's right. The manager they they did uh, concede some soft goals. The goalkeeper probably was at fault for a couple of them, and and that's probably an area he has had some in, some impressive games. The goalkeeper Kai King, especially AC Milan away, but. It's probably an area that they can look to upgrade in the off season, like uh, you know, get themselves a, a really classy keeper. Kaikin's not bad, um, and the backup's not bad either, Joshua Smith. But maybe they could really upgrade it just to a different level. Fantastic stuff. We'll move on. I mean, yeah, we just mentioned there that Budenglit will be playing Mjondalen in one of the upcoming games, um, which ordinarily you'd think would be a, a, a simple win for them, but. After six straight defeats, Mjondalen turned up something for the books, didn't they, Steve? They managed to um, pull off a shock win against Brand this weekend. Well, obviously, Mjondalen came under some criticism from this podcast uh, in, re in a recent episode. And we do, I mean, I know their manager, Vega Hansen, does sometimes listen to our episodes. He was a guest on the show last year and uh, he likes a bit of the Nordic football podcast. And, um, you know, I was critical in that I was saying, in the games that are winnable, at least be positive. And you know what? I, I really was quite happy with what I saw from Mjendal against Brown. I think they sensed that they were facing a bit of a wounded beast who uh, not in a confident way. And, and they took the ball by the horns. They got themselves an early goal. And, you know, instead of just sitting back and parking the bus, they actually were looking for the second goal. They were, they were looking for the third goal as well in the second half. You know, at the same time, they were still not taking too many risks defensively, but it was a lot more positive on the front foot. They wanted it more. Bran are a bit of a mess. I must add that right now, but Mjandam took their chance. They sensed an opportunity. And I think the two week break has done the manager really, really good. And um, I mentioned before, he, he get, tends to get the most out of his squad. I think they fell into a, a bit of a negative rut where they kind of went away from, some of the good things they did last year. Um, but this is good. They also tend to have a really good record against Bran. They, they really are their bet noir, as you might say in French. Um, Bran absolutely hate facing Mjendal and they, uh, something about this fixture they don't like. But I think really fair play to, to Mjendal. I was um, really pleased actually to see them take the ball by the horns. And there's still life in them yet. You know, they're, they're not going to give up. They're only two points behind the, the relegation playoff spot. A couple more wins, and, and who knows? But very encouraging for them. Not very good for Brown. I mean, he's not been in touch with you, has he, Vigard Hansen, about, about about your comments? <laughs> hey, we, we we have had the occasional message in, in the last twelve months, but um, you know, I didn't want to distract him recently. But uh, if he was listening, then maybe he took uh, the hint, as you might say. But he, he, look, he, he's a good manager. He, he didn't. Uh, he would have realised the mistakes that they've been making. They had some tough fixtures as well. But I think uh, what was disappointing, as I said before, in, in the winnable games like Sanderfjord, Sarsborg, they were too negative. 
turned that around immediately. You could just tell there was something about them in this game. They were up for it. They wanted to attack more. And, in, you know, instead of... They've actually... They took the lead in a couple of games and, and they just couldn't hang on because they were, they were trying to park the bus too early. This was a much better approach, a much more measured tactical approach. And they, they game managed really well in the second half. Yeah, and he's going to have to um, keep that keep that momentum going because the next two games are Budigant away <clears throat> and Mulder at home. So really, really tough two fixtures coming. I mean, what's your outlook for them, Steve? C- can they survive? Well, look, I, the thing with me and Dan is that, that you never know when they're beaten and uh, the, them two fixtures now, getting them out of the way now might not be the worst thing, you know, um, because after that they will have winnable games, that's for sure. I, I think they've definitely got to play Arlesund at home, for example, at some stage. They, I think they might have to start on their list too. So you've got to win those games around you. But hey, this is the team that went to Budigland last year and got a nil-nil draw. And they tend to actually play the, the big teams quite close. They're never like, disgraced in those games. So it's not beyond the realms of possibility. They could even sneak something. I mean, I don't think they will. But um, at least they've got a victory that's going to ease their sort of pressure on them. And uh, almost got a free hit now at those two games. Yeah, and their website has put a very simple message after that match. We've beaten Bran again. Uh, they complete the double on Bran and um, give themselves a lifeline. Six points behind, but uh, we'll see if they can do it with two huge games coming up. Um, Steve, let's move on. I want to talk about Christensen and Rosenborg. You've got a few comments about that, haven't you? I do, because this was a game I was very, I was really looking forward to watching this game. I mean, generally, uh, Christian and Sunder are fantastic to, to watch. They, uh, there's a lot of goals involved in their games. Rosenborg, well, you, you never quite know what you're going to get with them. But by and large, I, I expected a, a thriller, really. Um, but amazingly, both the both fixtures between the two teams have ended nil-nil this year, which, I mean, there's not been many nil-nils full stop in the Elite Serie in 2020. Uh, so for this fixture to end nil-nil twice, I'm a bit baffled because I mean the first the first nil-nil was a, was right at the start of the season when Ari Cornerland was in charge of Rosenborg. Teams were a little bit rusty, so I could understand that. But this was a strange one. It, it generally generally deserved to end nil-nil. I can't think of a major chance in this match, which is staggering. Um, you know there was there were some saves from the keepers, but they were long-range shots. I, I just don't know what happened. Um, I expected. Uh, I say a lot of action, a lot of goal mouth action, but both teams defended well. Rosenborg, especially, I think, were surprisingly good defensive. And uh, I've got a few comments to make about a new signing of theirs, Holmar Early Offson, an Icelandic international. He looks really solid, actually. Yeah, 30 year old, he does start for the national team. He just seemed to be everywhere. He was cutting out all the crosses, he was heading when he needed to. He was also bringing the ball out of defence, like really good sort of technical control. He looks like a really good addition. It was his third start since joining the club during the most recent transfer window, and he looked the business. And Tori Riginius and the old dog, he had a really solid game as well. For me, those were the two best players on the park for Rosenborg in this game, and it bodes well for them going forwards. But I was surprised because they you know, both played in their international break for their respective countries. So I just I didn't expect they would have much in their tank, but uh, maybe Rosenborg going forward are going to have a bit more solid now with that pairing. Uh, the new left back Parkanate, he's probably the weak link now at left back, but he will offer a bit more for them going forward. 
But uh, yeah, really solid performance. And Christians, and to be fair to them, they, they didn't put a foot wrong defensively either. And uh, you know, their manager came up with a good game plan, and uh, it was just a surprising result. You know, the the way the the game panned out. I mean, you can sometimes get a really good nil nil, can't you? Where there's end to end entertainment, action, and chances. But this did exactly what it said on the tin. It was like watching, you know, a French League Two game in terms of major chances created. I've yeah, I mean, uh, Alga Harida is the manager of uh, of Rosenborg now. He's been in charge since September. How how's he getting on? I mean, he's played eight, one, five, drawn two, lost one. Uh, big name. He's someone who's won titles in Sweden, of course. Um, Norwegian manager, but uh, yeah, he's won the league with 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 uh, with Malmo, for example, uh, and Helsingborg. Uh, and also played at Manchester City as a player in his career. How's he? What's your analysis of him? Because you know you were quite critical of the last manager, and I, I did see a tweet actually, by the way, about this game. You weren't very happy about it on Twitter either. Um, what What's your analysis of Rosenborg's manager at present? You know, to date. Well, every uh, he's actually un- unbeaten domestically since he came in. Um, so you know, every time the amount of times I've seen him on the sideline shaking his head in like uh, bewilderment. Actually, even in this game, um, I think he's been surprised by some of the mistakes that they made. But he's done well. He always seems to find a way actually to get a result out of this team. But the general generally matches have been quite frantic and disorganised since he's come in, and I don't blame him for that. I think that's a build-up of things that have been going wrong here the last two or three years. That was the first real time I could just sense there was a maybe a two-week game plan. Um, you know this idea of being a bit more solid than normal rather than the frantic nature of things. And um, that, that might be something going forward that they, they, they miss. Um, based on that, there's not, many, there's not many good defences in the league at all at the moment. This whole season, there's not many good defences. So if they can somehow get themselves keeping clean sheets and be more reliable at the back, if they could become the dominant defensive force in the elite area and if, if they continue that sort of thing. Uh, that I think he signed well. You know, Ellie Offson is a good signing. Marcus Henriksen looks like a good signing, and he's using Dino Islamovic quite well at front. He, he, look, he's an experienced gaffer, isn't he? He knows what he's doing, and he commands respect as well within the, within the teams, the, the squad. So um, I think it's positive for Rosenborg going forward. They've got a canny sort of old fox who, um, who who knows what he's doing in a lot of different ways, tactically and in, in the transfer market. Yeah, and uh, you, you mentioned the transfer market. They're about to sign one of your garden's uh, top players, Jonathan Augustinson. There's big rumours that he's going to leave uh, your garden this winter to join um, to join Rosenborg. And, of course, that's probably partly to do with the, the, the manager because he's got good connections in, in Sweden. He's a left-back, you know, he's a left back, yeah. He's, yeah. Right. And, of course, you know, the manager of Rosenborg has also managed Norway and... And Denmark, so that yeah, like you said, Wiley old Fox, someone who's been around the block, and maybe it's positive times for Rosenborg. I think so. I mean, I did mention there that the the new left back they signed, Park and Arte, looks like the weak link in the back line right now in terms of defence. So, if they could get this guy in from Jorgon and uh, you know have Canate as a backup or rotation option, they really could become quite formidable in the long term. Certainly heading into next season, um, and that would serve them well. You know, like I said, there's not many good defences in Norway at the moment. A team just playing really wide open football. So if they could sort of become an exception to the rule. I mean, look, one swallow doesn't make a summer, does it? But uh, I was impressed how they shut down Armel Pellegrino. You know, like Pellegrino has been tearing apart nearly every team this season. 
but they did a job on him really there was one time he got away and ellie Offson just recovered magnificent magnificently um i was impressed that he shut down him and christiansen didn't really have an answer you know they didn't they didn't have an answer i was impressed with rosenbach yeah and um we may well see actually more movement between sweden and norway uh, from from sweden to rosenbach because Mikael Dawson is their sport, sporting director as well at Rosenborg. So, Augustinsson, you mentioned, yeah, he's a left-back, 24 years old. Pakonate was from, formerly at Malmö. He used to be a left-back at Malmö as well and kind of went off the rails a, a little bit, you know, moved to Italy and it didn't quite work out. So, what you say there seems like maybe he's not quite progressed. It's been a tough tough sort of time for him, I think, because he was quite good at Malmö at times. But, uh, yeah, Augustinsson, a solid player and um, it looks like a potentially a, a strong reinforcement there. We'll move on. And you did mention Amal Paragrino, and uh, we, we need to sort of talk about this incident, don't we, Steve? Because there's been a few unsavoury incidents in, in Norway this past couple of weeks, which probably bears worth commenting on on this podcast. I think so, um, unfortunately, Jonathan. I mean, there's been some racist incidents. Um, we'll start with Olsen against Christiansen, where a section of uh, a minority section of the, the crowd in, in Olsen were uh, tearing into uh, Armel Pellegrino uh, using, you know, racism. And basically, it, it, it sparked a bit of an outcry, you know, the domestic, domestically low up in Norway uh, campaign, stop racism campaign, a lot of stuff was said about it, a real emphasis, um, to be honest, around the whole world, around around that sort of thing at the moment, isn't there? But it was something specifically in Norway. And, a, you know, a big campaign that was um, in the build-up to this particular round of matches, I saw a lot of it advertising and, you know, all together with this against the racism, etc. Uh, and therefore, it was quite shocking to hear. I, I didn't actually watch the game. I was I watched I, my, the 5pm kickoffs and had a bit of a break in the evening. I didn't watch Sanderfjord Volarenga, but uh, the um, Volarenga brought on a, a, a player, Uzman uh, Kamara, and unfortunately... Uh, a steward um, at Sanderfjord basically called him uh, an effing monkey. And um, this steward, it's a bit of a shock, uh, had been at the club for five years. And the sporting director of uh, Sanderfjord, Booger Pettersson, uh, was shocked. Uh, very, he was apparently, according to him, there were several who reacted with surprise that it was precisely this person who was behind the racist chant. Afterwards, the steward had been waiting for the security chief and he packed down his vest and he realised he had sealed his fate and that was going to be the end of him. And uh, apparently they thanked him for a period of five years until today, said the uh, sporting director. So it sounds like a guy who for five years was as right as rain and then suddenly just, I don't know, went rogue. Maybe he showed his true colours. Who knows, Jonathan? And maybe it was hidden underneath him for this long. But it's absolutely sickening to um to hear of this incident uh no he can't be calling anyone that at all uh, there's no place for it and it was really sad actually to see um the guy who's man kamara the player himself actually post on instagram and uh this, this kind of got to me a little bit actually no one is born hating another person because of the color of his skin or his background or his religion People must learn to hate, and if they can learn to hate, they must be taught to love. For love comes more naturally to the human heart than it, than its opposite. Nelson Mandela, thanks for your support. And it really was quite a, um, a moving message on, on Instagram there. I'm sure you saw that one as well, and I was appalled to hear. Why would that 
why would someone even think about doing that on a weekend where they're actually trying to promote this uh, anti-racism? I, I can't believe it. I really can't. And it's very disappointing. But it's good to see Sunderfield immediately have, have banned this steward for life. Um, he will never be setting foot in that stadium again. And I'd imagine he, I would hope he'd probably be banned from all stadiums in Norway um, because there's absolutely no excuse for it. Yeah, and it has caused quite a sort of stir in, in the West, isn't it? Because it's, <clears throat> generally speaking, it's, it's, it's considered sort of quite a tolerant country. Um, I have to say I was quite surprised and quite shocked by it. Yeah. Um, there's been sort of positive reaction from the clubs in Norway, haven't they? Lead to Serena, they've all posted on social media and they've all kind of supported the player, players involved, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, a lot of support, and, and you would expect that as well. Because I mean, I can say I was shocked uh, when I heard about the Olsen Christiansen game. Um, I'd never really heard of any of these incidents prior to this. Um, I, you know, I'm not out there, so I don't know. Maybe this sort of stuff was sort of being brushed under the carpet. I doubt, I doubt it, though. It was. Uh, it felt like an isolated incident. So I just can't believe a steward of all people, uh, you know, goes and and, and says that to an opposition player or any player or any person in, in, the, in the stadiums. It's it's a very good reaction, though. Uh, I think everyone's together um, in, in, in Norway um, surrounding uh, the racism or anything in, along that regard, you know, you know, religion, like you said there, or, or sexuality. You know, there's um, we're, we're in a world where, um, you know, there's just, I've said it before, even on this podcast, there's almost too much hate out there and it's, it's good to see people uniting again and um, and coming at this because uh, I, we cannot be tolerant of this sort of thing in society anymore. We just can't. It, it's absolutely pathetic. Yeah, and has there been a lot of support for Kamara as well? I think, you know, players have rallied behind him, but but it sounds like, you know, has he, has he got the support he needed? Yeah, I, I think so. a lot of the Volarenga players after the game, they won the match 3-0, but a lot of the players said, we... Um, uh, there's a really good quote. I'm trying to find it again, but uh, they said they won the match, but they didn't win the thing that mattered. And it was obviously they were very disappointed about what you know the incident from the crowd. Uh, yeah, Jonathan Tullis Nation um, said uh, delighted with the three points, but we lost the most important match today, which was the fight against racism. And, and, and you know, I think um, there was a lot of uh, support around the player. It's uh, it's obviously not a nice thing for him to have to come through. You know, we're thinking why him. You know, he's a, he's a nice lad, uh, fairly young, I do believe. He's only a 20, 21-year-old. And uh, you know, he only came on in the 90th minute as well. So it's not like he was on the field long. It's And he would not expect it. But uh, a really good reaction from everyone uh, within with Norway. And um, I think I expect this uh, campaign against the racism or, you know, any sort of uh, things like that to uh, continue and... Um, uh, you know, let's stamp it out now. If there is any, if it's out there, let's get let's expose these people and um, yeah, shut, you know, straight away. Yeah, and I think <clears throat> to wrap up this section, I'll probably say you know the Nordic Football Podcast would want to come out and support um, <clears throat> both players affected, Mar Pellegrino and Usman Kamara. And you know, we also would want to say publicly on the Nordic Football Podcast, there's no place for this kind of discrimination in any way, shape, or form. Obviously, and we we reject it, and obviously we we stand fully behind. The campaign to sort of um, support these players. <clears throat> the one thing I found quite encouraging was the, the comments from at Sandefjord's general manager, Espin Booger Pettersson. He came out and said, we're crystal clear on what kind of consequence there must be for this. This person will not be allowed to enter our stadium or arena ever again, neither as a guard or a spectator, he said. And he said that, you know, afterwards he was shipped out of the stadium and that will be it. 
Uh, we thanked him for good service over a five-year period, and it ends today, which I think was very sort of um, proactive, showed good leadership, and and I think that's what you want to see. Isn't it? As soon as you see it, it's, it's stamped out immediately. He won't be back at that stadium, and hopefully he's got a lot of time on match days now to think about what he's done because he's lost his job. Um, but yeah, like I say, we, we're very tolerant on this podcast, and uh, at the end of the day, I think there's just no room for it. And maybe it's been because it's in the spotlight at the moment. Maybe you get people wanting to be a bit rebellious, maybe, or you know, maybe they've been hiding these views and, and, and they want to come out with it. But yeah, it's totally unacceptable. And, um, you know, as a, as a multicultural podcast ourselves, Steve, um, you know, I think it's fair enough to say that we, you know, we get on fine. So it's uh, it's ridiculous, really, isn't it? And it's quite sad that we always have to seem to be talking about it quite a lot in football these days. But um, let's move on. And we're going to talk now about the Europa League football, aren't we? I mean, it has been the corona cases, which I'll, I'll come to in a second, but I think we can lead on to that via this discussion uh, about the Europa League, which is huge. Uh, and our only representative in Europe this season is Mulder, and they're going to be facing the Irish team Dundalk this week. So take it away, Steve. Yeah, I mean, this is an interesting group. It's uh, Dundalk, uh, Arsenal, Rapid Vienna, Mulder, and... Uh, uh, Mulder start off with a trip to Ireland uh, on Thursday, uh, roughly six o'clock kickoff, I think. And uh, you know, I think I think we had a question come in. Um, you know, is this uh, one of the best chances for a Norwegian team to to, to make it out of the groups uh, in in a while? And it possibly is. Arsenal, you would expect to win this group, um, but then you look at the other teams, Dundalk and, and Rapid Vienna, and, and Mulder have got to think they can compete with both those clubs. Now, this first trip to Ireland, they've got to be looking at getting six points out of the Irish, I think. Rapid Vienna, I can't say I know too much about them. But again, it doesn't seem like the sort of team that they should be fearing. Um, I don't think it'll be easy against um, Dundalk. They're, they're, they're quite an experienced team in, in Europe, actually. They even made the group stages of this competition just a few years ago, I, I do believe. And, uh, you know, they're, they're sort of players that are going to be bang up for it. They went out there to uh, to Sheriff in uh, in Moldova, is it, to Tiraspol, and they managed to get through a qualifying match on its own on penalties. And that shows big heart, doesn't it? And they've got something about them. Um, so, yeah, this is a match of Moldova. They've got to go there and they've got to try and win, though. They, a draw is not enough. Um, if they want to get out of this group, I'm not exactly sure what Moldova's expectations are, but um, they want to give it a good go. And... Um, there's a positive that normally the last two rounds of the group stage are when the, the Norwegian league is finished, right? Or the teams involved have finished anyway. And you can get what's called, they get quite cold, rusty, rustiness sets in the end of the season. Uh, but this time, obviously, with the extension of the Norwegian league itself, then it runs all the way through into mid-December. So they might not have the same problem in, in Europe as, as, as normal. Yeah, well, the game will take place in Ireland. And um, the rules this season are, in terms of European competition, there's 600 fans allowed, two games maximum. Um, so that would be the capacity. Uh, I don't know. Mulder have said on their, on their website that season ticket holders only can apply for the game and, and can get tickets to the game. Not entirely sure what the rules are in Ireland, but um, I'm sure it probably is similar. Here's just something I want to tell the listeners. Just to give a bit of context about the, the group that we've got here. The... Transfer market value of the squad, of each squad in this Europa League Group B. Arsenal's transfer market value, 631.95 million euros. Rapid Vienna, transfer market value, 
that's the value of their squad combined in terms of their, you know, what they would be worth on the market today. Uh, Rapid Vienna, 33.65 million. So, you know, a good 600 million less than Arsenal. And then in third place, we've got Mulder, repping for Norway, 13.25 million squad value, 13.25 million euros. And then finally, Tiny Dundalk, 2.23 million euros squad value. So, this is a group, really, isn't it, of huge extremes, really, in terms of financial power and might. Um, Mould are usually a kind of minnows, aren't they? Especially on the European stage. But this is maybe a team that's even smaller. You know, nearly ten times, well, you know, like five times smaller than yeah. than uh, Molder in terms of squad value. What What are the expectations for Molder this season in the Europa League? How How are they looking at this? I think there's uh, an expectation they would expect to finish certainly above Dundalk and. You know, I think most would expect Arsenal to win the group probably with a hundred percent record, right? Um, unless I'm for, I mean, they it's interesting the way the fixtures uh, go for Molde. They go to Ireland, then they're at home to Rapid Vienna, then it's a double header against Arsenal, home against Dundalk, and the last game is in Austria. Now, that might not be too bad. I mean, there's not beyond the realms of possibility they win the first two games, and then they can sort of go into the Arsenal match, uh, with a uh, almost like a free hit if you know what i mean and uh, if they cut something out of either of those fixtures then fair play to them and before the final two games which are quite winnable again and um that kind of works out from like if you face arsenal first up and you get battered you're in a negative mindset for the group aren't you so this this, this kind of works out for the molder an interesting side i mean i did a an, a, an article on the y scout uh the Weisgar blog on this. So if people are interested in knowing a bit more about them, then take a look at that article. I'm sure um, a lot of those teams may be, may be interested in it, uh, Jonathan. I, you know, there's some, uh, I might be giving away a few too many secrets on Mulder in that. Uh, so I apologize to them uh, in advance. But um, yeah, this is a, gr- a group that got a chance and it might come down to margins. I don't think the Irish will be pushovers, like I said, by any means at all. So I could see them even taking points off Rapid Vienna. It's going to be a real, real rat race to finish second in this group. Yeah, and on that on that note, we have a partnership with Scout, as uh, regular listeners will be familiar with by now. If you're not a regular listener, then there you go. We have a partnership with Scout. We produce regular content for their, their website. And uh, yeah, Steve, you've done a, quite a nice blog on them this, this month. Getting back to glory, how Mulder can turn their season around. And it, it takes a deep dive into Mulder and what's been going wrong this season under Erling Moore. And, in fairness to them, as soon as you've written that article, they've they've won against Buddha Glimpse. So uh, you know maybe you're a lucky lucky omen for them. Um, but yeah, they're the defending champions, of course. You know they might be outgoing champions, but they are the reigning champions. D- do you think they qualify? You know maybe in a word or you know a sentence. Do you know I'm going to actually have some faith in them and say yes, because they've impressed me in Europe in the last two years in, in certain matches, and now I think the group stage will suit them. You know. They've always kind of fallen at the final hurdle in terms of these two-legged matches on penalties or something, like a, a one goal. The group stage can give them a little bit less pressure, I think. And, um, you know, they're starting to play well again. The players are starting to return from fit, fit, fitness, the injuries they had. Uh, I think Mulder can, can do it. But I, I don't, I must possess, I don't know too much about Rapid Vienna, so they could be the bit of the wild card. Yeah, just a few tidbits from from your blog. You know, you've mentioned that Mulder's possession has gone up from 54.4% ball possession to 56% this season. Their expected goals per 90 has also risen from 1.98 to 2.0. It's a small marginal increases. Uh, yeah, it'll be tough. Obviously, Rapid Vienna, the Austrian side, we'll, we may be featuring, you know, some guests as the, as the weeks go on in that group and talking about them. But uh, yeah, if you do want to 
have any suggestions in terms of our coverage of Europe this season, then, then feel free to let us know and we'll be keeping a close eye on Mulder. And don't forget to hit on Y Scout on Twitter at Y Scout and check out that blog if you haven't seen it already. Um, a, a really nice analysis from, from Steve there. Um, I mentioned obviously lack of fans or the limit of sort of six, 600 fans. And you wanted to talk about, you know, the, the international break has come back and we've got a few, few COVID cases, haven't we, in, in Norway uh, before we, before we move on to part two. Yeah, this is, um, uh, Barisha came back, uh, to, to, to be contested positive. And because he was in obviously contact with the rest of the Viking squad before this happened, then the rules state that they, the whole squad had to be pretty much in isolation for two weeks. Now it's not like it is in England, where if if you play the matches still go ahead and stuff. And France, I mean, there was a match in France. I mean, Dunkirk, ten players tested positive, and, and the match still went ahead. Um, in Norway, it's a lot stricter, and it meant the Vikings' next two fixtures had to be postponed. So their their, their trip, uh, they're now playing against Hogesund on Tuesday, the twenty seventh of October. That one match was originally scheduled for the 25th, so it just goes two days later. And then the match that was called off this weekend against Odd, that is now getting played on Wednesday, the 4th of November. So for those interested in fantasy football, you're going to get a double game week on the 23rd, sorry, in match day 23. So that is the round to load up your uh, team with uh, Viking players, no doubt, uh, and, and odd players as well, actually, for that matter. So if you're into, it does affect fantasy football quite a lot. And uh, I, I kind of knew this would happen. I don't think it's going to be the last time this happens. Certainly for the, the next international break, I can see something similar. Uh, a player came back from, uh, to Strom's good sir, Krasniki from Kosovo. He tested positive. And a couple of lads from the Icelandic uh, setup. Uh, back to Godset as well. They were forced to isolate because someone they were in contact with was positive. So they were just, I mean, these are just bench players that touched drums. Godset, thankfully, and we didn't have any postponement there. But yeah, a real mess. If I say the way they do it in Norway is a lot stricter, you know, they, they're not happy to to uh, keep matches going on if anyone at the club's been affected. Great stuff. <clears throat> we're going to come back to some listener questions maybe in part two if we have time, but we'll wrap it up there for part one. Uh, that was Norway, and we were going to move to Sweden in part two and talk about uh, many different talking points. So stay tuned, and we'll be up back after this short break. Welcome back to the Nordic Football Podcast. I'm Steve Wiss and I'm joined by Jonathan for Dugba. And this is uh, now going to be talking about the Swedish uh, section of the podcast and Alsvenskan. And there was a, a crazy game. There's only one place to start, really. Malmö against, uh, away against uh, Jorgarten. It ended 3-2 to the Stockholm team, but uh, quite a sensational game of football and a, a dramatic comeback, I do believe, Jonathan. Yes, uh, yes, Steve. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I mean, you know, arguably the game of the uh, season in Sweden, you could argue. I mean, can it be a game of the season when there's no fans? Maybe hard to say. Um, but yeah, one of the most thrilling games I've seen in, in a long, long time in Sweden in terms of outcome. Uh, hard to believe, to be honest. I'm still kind of stunned. I uh, watched the game and, you know, Malmo were cruising. 
for 78 minutes, um, doing incredibly well, 81 minutes even. Looked to be winning very, very comfortably, went 2-0 up. Um, Ola Toivonen with two goals, first goal, a lovely little hit, hit. Uh, from distance, curled it around the keeper, and the second one was, you know, across from the across from the channel, and uh, he just thumped it home in the in the penalty area. Looked to be in complete control, um, but a game that has been described by one of the Malmo players as the theft of the year, and I think that is quite an apt way to put it because mm-hmm. Yogarden have somehow managed to score three goals in nine minutes, eight minutes, to turn it around from a comfortable two nil win for Malmo away. You know, looking to seal the titles, zoning in on it, snatching it from Giorgan, of course, don't forget they're the champions, uh, to, de- to defeat, you know, snatching um, defeat from the jaws of victory, basically. And uh, yeah, it was the substitutes of the Kale Homburg came on and scored two. Uh, Kale Homburg, or is it Ole Gunnar, Ole Gunnar Holmberg, you know, the, the super sub, uh, came on and scored two goals and turned the game completely on its head. And somehow, Giorgan have won it. The sheer mention of Ola Toivonen kind of almost puts hairs on the back of my neck, actually. Um, you know, he's been a real journeyman, hasn't he? I've uh, seen him in French football a lot. I think he even had a spell at Sunderland, of all teams. Just looking at his history, he's, uh, it was a Melbourne victory prior to his move to Malmo this year. But a couple of goals there, I mean, it looked like the game was done for, for Malmo. I mean, I, I mean, I can't believe that. That's only a third defeat of the season. They're still in a good spot. I mean, the 47 points on the board, they're eight points clear. Although that could be reduced to five if Hecken win their game in hand, although Hecken themselves have dropped points. And we'll talk about that soon. But uh, I mean, how, just exactly how did your garden manage to, to come back here? Was it a bit a bit like the sort of the Spurs West Ham game from, you know, on Super Sunday uh, yesterday, um, you know, where they kind of dodged a load of bullets and then, one goal and, and it just led to this avalanche. I mean, or was there some tactical switches that gave him a chance? Uh, this game all hinged on on one one thing, and that was the um, injury to Anders Christensen, probably the best player in the league, you know, for over many years. If you were to sort of look at over a three year period or two year period, you know, in terms of consistency, you'd say he's the best player in the league for sure. Um, Christensen, Malmo, you know, stalwart for them. And 78th minute, he had to go off. And you know he, he needed seven stitches in his in his leg. Uh, a challenge came in on him, went off, and this is where the quote of the theft of the century or theft of the year comes in because uh, he went off. Obviously, there's no fans, so you can't hear much. And he said, "We came here and completely controlled the match, and we led two nil. I've never played in a match where we've had so much control, and yet we lost three two. So picture Christensen. He's 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 put in a, a great performance. They're two nil up. He's walked off the pitch in an empty stadium, pretty much." Um, gone to get his stitches in his, in his, you know, in the dressing room. And he says, I did not see the end of the match. I was down in the locker room and the guys came in and said, we lost 3-2. I knew nothing. <laughs> I was completely shocked. We showed a demonstration of power for 75 minutes, but who, whoever laughs, laughs, laughs loudest. And that really is the case. I mean, imagine that you, you go off and you come back and you've got nine minutes to go. You're sitting there and you're you know, probably just sitting in the dressing room, k- kicking your heels, getting your stitches in. And all the players come back in and say, yeah, sorry, mate, we, we absolutely bottled it. <laughs> um, yeah, incredible, really. I mean, two of the goals came from corners. Literally within two minutes, I was typing typing the updates on Twitter. And as I was typing the equaliser, they scored another one. Um, Ulverstad, Frederick Ulverstad, powered home ahead from a corner. Malmo went to sleep at, at set pieces. And then um, 
yeah, and, uh, Kalahomba came on and, and like I say, he, he scored one, you know, it was a sort of bobble in the box and he, he pounced on it and then scored another one late on. So, um, yeah, really, it really did throw it away, Mamo, you have to say. And uh, I think they probably a bit of complacency came in. You know, they, it's one of those games, isn't it? Like you just said, the West Ham game. Sometimes you get these moments in, in football where it's just the game's never won, isn't it? And there's been a lot of comments about motivation. You know, without fans, is it harder to keep the motivation and the, the concentration for a full 90 minutes? I saw Jose Mourinho say some really interesting comments about the difficulty of keeping players motivated without fans for the full 90. And maybe that's contributed to this kind of these late comebacks that we see or these turnarounds. But um, yeah, it really was just crazy how 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 they turned it around, just especially because they had so much control of the match. It just looked like I nearly turned it off at 2-0 because I thought, well, this is, you know, there's no point watching this is over. Um, I would have been jumping out my seat if I'd have turned it off and come back and seen it as 3-2. I would not have believed it. I would have thought, of, thought I was going blind or something. So, yeah, it was a really crazy game. Yeah, seven stitches in his leg. Is that where Jordan Pickford's been hiding away since uh, doing the job on Van Dyke? Uh, but, uh, I mean, it, it shouldn't cost them, should it, Malmo? I mean, they're still well positioned. Hecken have dropped points and nil-nil against Helsingborg, which they can't really afford to be doing if they want to win a title. It doesn't look like the chasing pack is doing enough. I mean... Your garden. I mean, are they out of the race? I mean, they could. They've got a game in hand as well. I mean, could they mount a late charge, or is this sort of the the kick up the arse that Malmo might just need to get them over the line? Yeah, I think it probably will be will be that sort of um, kick up the backside. I can't see them. You know, they're eight points clear. Uh, Hacken have got a game in hand in third, so you know we'll talk about them in a minute. Could could reduce that to five points, but personally, as good as Hacken have had a season, I, I can't. I don't think they've got the consistency to to win pretty much nearly every game. We've got six games left. You know, I think it's a, it's a big gap. Um, Malmo, I mean, obviously they had the Europa League disappointment and, you know, that was the setback for them. Um, but I think they've, they have been the best side. And I think I agree with what Mohamed Saeed said last week on on, on the interview, exclusive interview when he described Malmo as the best team in, in Sweden by some way. He just said they've got an answer to every problem. And you know, at 2-0, you thought they did have an answer to every problem. But, you know, in this one, there's a new problem, new new conundrum for them. Um, but credit to um, Yondal Thomason, because he's come out afterwards and said, we played a perfect game until Christensen's gone off. Um, and he's he's described it as unacceptable. He said, um, you cannot win against Yorgan if you give away goals like this. This is completely unacceptable. Football can be difficult at times, but we'll move on. And I think, you know, in fairness to him, you know, in pre-season, I, I, in the pre-season podcast, I was worried about how he would deal with it. I was a bit concerned about his managerial history. You know, is it, was he really ready for this sort of big job, Malmo needing to win the league? Of course, we'll never know in terms of the pressure of fans because this has been a season with no fans. So we'll never really know, you know, obviously ha- how he could react to maybe moments of pressure in games, maybe with that fan pressure. Um, it's a lot easier to coach, I think, for managers in, a, in an empty stadium. It's a lot. I think it takes a lot of the heat off and, and it's a lot easier to get your message across. But you have to give credit to him. I think he's he's really sort of moulded this team into into a top team, and you know they look like they're set to now win that title back after you know a good few seasons now without it. So you know they they're closing in on it. They've got a few games coming up. They've got EF Core Helsingborg, which is obviously a big derby, uh, and then Sirius. But they they're closing in on it. To be fair, yeah. Um, like I said, the, the world clearance is looking good. Uh, let's move on to something else. And there was uh, we had a player in focus on Isaac Bergman Johansson, 
recently yeah well probably i say recently i was about more like a couple of months ago wasn't it but um i mean it's amazing on this podcast how many times we flag up uh, good young talents or players to watch and uh you know just a few months later or even a few weeks later they're they're off on their whole on, the, on their bike to um you know a big transfer away and manchester united of the latest uh side uh linked with scouting this hot young talent uh He's really catching the eye still, isn't he? He is. And, um, yeah, Manchester United have sent scouts to watch him against um, Varberg boys. No shopping, uh, obviously, one. Um, Jonathan Levy scored a hat-trick in this match, so maybe maybe they'll uh, come back with the good reports about Jonathan Jonathan Levy. Um, but, uh, yeah, listen, Steve, we had a long chat about Manchester United, didn't we, recently? And uh, anyone who knows me knows that I've had a lot to say about them of late. I'm you know, not exactly content Sorry? Did they send the bold scout, as I like to call him? I've no idea who they sent, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's just a report that's come out. Who knows? You know, uh, it's stated that they went to watch him. Uh, the manager, Jens Gustafsson, has come out and said that he doesn't know anything about it and he's not sure. So um, he's sort of played it down. And, you know, as we know, Steve, kind of through football in general, a scout going to a game doesn't really mean anything in this day and age, especially when it's Manchester United seemingly, because... You'll remember a few weeks ago, or three, about three or four weeks ago, we on our podcast we talked about Jens Petterhauger being watched by Manchester United, and you know they didn't do much there. So, yeah, but, but I think it really speaks to the potential of Isaac Bergman Johansson. I think more than anything, uh, I did talk about him. You know, we you know he was a player in focus, wasn't he? Some 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 while ago, um, in a previous episode. So, and I think he was in my tent to watch as well. So, you know, my tent to be honest, my tent to watch has been pretty good this season. I've had quite a high success rate. Um, and as you do say, we do have a lot of scouts and people following us these days, don't we? And listening and, you know, um, getting in touch with us. So, yeah, it's just another one. I mean, Juventus, I think, will probably be a more credible link. Uh, they've been following Bergman Henderson quite closely this season. And if I was to, you know, if you were to ask me if I think he'll go to United or Juventus, I would definitely say the old lady. Um, United, I think their recruitment is a little bit, just a bit scatty. Um, but yes, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. Bergman Hansen has been fantastic this season. You know, the, the amount of goals and assists he's, he's contributed um, for a 17-year-old is just just exceptional. Um, I think he I think he is worthy of the hype. And by the way, I've said it three or four times on this podcast. He's still eligible for England. So Gareth, if you're listening, get yourself down to North Shopping and have a good long chat with the, the Bergman Hansens because you never know he could end up playing for England. I don't think Southgate even knows what his best side is at the minute. I, I'm not a big fan of him at the moment, personally. But um, if Bergwijn Johansson was to sign for Manchester United as, as a fan and knowing what you know about him, would you be happy? Because he, he certainly not wouldn't be ready to be starting for a, a big club like that. He's more of a project, isn't he? He'd be a project, but he'd, he'd. I mean, if he was to sign for Manchester United and go into their under twenty threes, in my opinion, he'd be one of the top players right. I, I I know a lot about Manchester United at all levels and you know I've seen their 23s quite regularly I watched them get absolutely destroyed by Liverpool um, in a 23s game not too long ago about a month or so ago and there are some exciting young talents at Manchester United and, and there have been some players signed um, in this you know past window that are young obviously Amar Traore and uh, a young Uruguayan lad they won't be ready for the first team but you know they, they, they could integrate into the into the 23s um, Isaac Birmingham and Hannison will come into the t- into the under 23s at United and probably dominate it. 
I think from his point of view, you look at it and I don't know if he'd want to move to United because he's getting regular first team football. I don't think he needs a 23. You know, you can store your development by going into a, into a 23 setup. Yeah, uh, you can argue there's more to learn playing week in, week out um, for, for a top or Svenskan side than, you know, playing under 23s football. Um, although there's no fans in either of the stadiums, so it doesn't make a difference from that point of view, does it? But um, he's actually commented about the rumours. He said, I don't really think much about it. Uh, it's fun when big clubs look at me and think I'm a good player, but my focus is on North shopping. I'll tell you one thing, Steve, this 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 kid is very driven and determined. And I think one thing I could say about him, he's got a very clear picture from, from everything I've read and all the comments I've seen from him. He's got a very clear picture of where he sees his career going. He, he said already he wants to play abroad one day, um, but he seems to be like a player who will set clear goals and will know when it's time to leave. And I think he'll know what club it is time to leave for as well. He seems very mature. I've said, I've said it before, um, players at the club have commented how mature he is and you know, what a level head he has for, for, for such a young player. So I don't think he'll be mugged off. I don't think he'll be fooled by anyone. And if we look at it from North Shopping's point of view, they've made some high profile sales of late. Rasmus Larison has gone for a good sort of, you know, 1.6 million. They've just sold Ponce's Almquist. We'll talk about him in a minute um, to Russia. So they've got good money in the coffers as well. And, you know, long term, that's going to be a really important thing for North Shopping. They're getting in quite a lot of money at the moment. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's good for Bergman and Hannesson. It just tells you that we know what we're talking about because we talked about him for a while now. And for clubs like Manchester United to be looking at him, Juventus to be looking at him, shows you that this is a real talent. And if United got him, I think they should loan him to somewhere like Preston. You know, that uh, worked out before for someone, doesn't it? So uh... I think Burnley like his dad, maybe. <laughs> dad played for Burnley, so... You know, toughen him up in one of these tough... Lancashire towns and uh, with the making of him. But um, yeah, you talked about some transfers out of the league and I know you want to talk about two in particular. So, so take that away. Yeah, well, I just mentioned one of them, Pontus Almquist. Um, he's gone from North Shopping to Rostov and he's also joined by Armin Djidjevic. So um, yeah, two two big, big transfers there actually. One was another of my 10 to watch. You know, I'm, I'm doing a lot of bragging at the moment, but you know, when you get it right, Steve, you, you get it right. So um, Djidjevic, he was in my tent to watch the season on the on the preseason or Svenskan podcast, which you can go back and listen to on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts if you want to listen back to that. Don't listen to the part where I predict who wins the league. Just listen to the <laughs> just listen to the players because that's what I'm good at. But um, yeah, he's he's uh, he's on the move, and yeah, they're both off to Russia. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, the Russian league, you do get some go there, don't you? But uh, yeah, another of those talents in that uh, tender watch list that are on uh, moving away. It's uh, remarkable. It happens year after year. And um, let's just, before we finish, go move on to some listener questions. Bottom of the table. Well, we haven't talked about Auschwitz yet. You're cutting, you're cutting off half the... Uh, oh, of course. You're cutting off half the conversation there. There we go. Yeah, I got a bit <laughs> excited there. Yeah, I had Kalmar in my head. Just because you had 40 minutes, you know, you're trying to, you're trying to rush me. I had Kalmar in my head, so. Um... <laughs> <laughs> no, on, on Djidjevic, and obviously I want to talk about Almquist because um, he's obviously leaving the league and he's one that one that I really like. Um, Djidjevic, obviously he's 18 years old. He, he was linked with Arsenal and Manchester City. I don't think he's had an amazing season. And on my Scout blog, about it was about three months ago, I think, uh, he was one of my talents that I, I highlighted on and, and did an analysis of. And I did actually mention in that article, I said, I'd like to see him stay for a full season and, and maybe longer because I, I thought his form had dipped a bit and I felt like he needs some time. 
Um, but yeah, his time has come. He's played 20 league games and, and you know, scored one goal. He's not been incredible. His past completion has been very good, but you know, I think he's he's kind of leveled off a bit in a, in a tough season for Helsingborg. They've they've struggled with injuries. You know, they're they're down there near the bottom. They're struggling for their survival, and for an 18 year old, that's always difficult. Um, and ultimately, this is one of those ones where they can't turn the money down. Um, the deal is one of the biggest in the club's history. Uh, it's rumored to be expressed and reported of being 30 million Swedish crowns, which is about, I think, about 2.6 million pounds, which is a huge amount of money for for a scan. Um, he joined them as a 15, 15 year old from Landskrona Boys, the team that I, if anyone remembers my football manager, say from uh, you know the, the the lockdown, they're my mortal enemies, Landskrona Boys. But uh, he joined from them as a 15 year old, and has developed really well. I think he's got a good future. I, I compared him to Sami Nazari um, or Kevin De Bruyne type player. The way he threads passes, he's a really good progressive passer. Um, he's good at linking play. I think he's got a good future ahead of him. I, I hope Rostov look after him because it's a bit of a you know, they're seventh in the Russian league. It's a bit of a strange destination, but um, good luck to him. And I think he felt maybe it was time for him to, to leave as well. Yeah, definitely. And uh, are we ready to move on to uh, the bottom of the table talk now? Then? Well, no, because you haven't asked me about Pontus Almquist. Are you hating on this guy or something? Pontus Almquist, then what is the... Uh... <laughs> so it's a double, de- it's a double deal. In the, yeah, I definitely want to talk about Almquist. Um, That's... Purely because... I think he's a, I think he's a very exciting. So I'm I'm sad to see him go, and if I'm not going to be able to talk about him again on this podcast, then I definitely going to pick you up on it, Steve. Because um, yeah, he's a 21 year old and he scored some quality goals this season. Uh, he scored a brilliant goal against uh, EFK Jotterberg. Um, he can score on his left foot, his right foot headers, takes his, takes goals really well. He times his runs really well. There's one goal this season that I remember against EFK where Bergman Johansson, which we you know we just talked about. Um, picks up the ball in the middle of the park um, on the counter-attack sort of thing. They pick up possession, no shopping. He threads a pass in behind. Almquist makes a brilliant run, picks it up, takes one touch and then buries it. And uh, that was when they beat no shopping, uh, sorry, EFK away in Gothenburg. And yeah, Almquist, he's a 21-year-old sort of blonde kid. He's got kind of that kind of swagger about him. Nice sort of t- change of pace. Really ex- impressive finisher. Um, his expected goals per 90 is one of the best in Osvenskan, actually. Um, despite sort of, he's, he's only just come into the team. He's not been a huge regular because the, obviously they've got Christopher Neiman, they've got Haksabanovic, they've got a lot of other players. But um, I think maybe that's part of the reason they might have just decided to sell him because, again, it's one of their biggest ever sales, 35 million SEK, which is about three million pounds. So they they said they couldn't turn the, the offer down. And he said, I want to thank all the supporters and everything. And he's off to Russia to join Gijevic. So, you know, be one to, one to keep an eye on. And, um, Jenska Sassen came out and said, Pontus has had a fantastic time with us. He's worked very hard to handle the physical conditions of this club and playing as an elite football player. And we've been able to guide him. We're extremely proud of his development. And we're happy to once again be able to be proud that another player from No Shopping can achieve his dreams. Now, just to tell you, Steve, they've also signed Dennis Hadzikadunic, um, who used to play in Sweden as well, Rostov. So they're clearly looking at you know Swedish talents and, and youngsters. But I have to say, Almquist is, a, is, a, is a, an exciting player and I'm going to miss both of them, Gigi Rich and, and Almquist, to be honest. And finally, just before, you know, wrapping up that section, I just want to say this could be a game changer for the league in the long term because what we've just seen happen now this season, we've just seen um, Nordshopping bring in about £5 million. Now, 
he talks about the budgets of Malmo and you know the budgets of all the other Osvenskan teams and how big Europe is. That covers their budget for like a season pretty much. And that is huge with no fans in the stadium. So I think North Shopping, what they've done here, they're just skimming off some of the players. Like Lauritsen was a top defender. You know, we talked about him a couple of weeks ago. They just skimmed off a couple of their players to, to let go and, um, you know, prepare for next season, if that makes sense. Because obviously the financial crisis is going to hit a lot of teams. They're well positioned now to maybe next season go for it and maybe they can use that money, reinvest it. They've still got a lot of young talents and good players in that squad. So um, if you think about if they're going to get more money for Bergman Johansson as well, this could be a period of time where Nordschwabing are just banking in a lot of money to go for it maybe next season. That is a very good point. I, I, I always think that uh, selling Erling Brot Haaland kind of uh, set the wheel uh, rolling again for, for Mould, if you know what I mean. Uh, you know, always were a decent uh, club financially anyway, but sometimes an impetus like that, long term, they could be well set. And maybe celebrating a championship within the next two or three years if they get the the right sort of deals right. But uh... yeah, I, th- I think they'll come out of it very well. You know, I, I think this is quite clever actually. The second, they're eight points behind. You know, with six games to go, they're probably not going to win the league. But if you look at it, and also Haksabanovic has recently been linked with a, a move. He only just signed for them at the beginning of the season. They paid a lot of money to bring him back from West Ham. But I think they've got one eye on the long term there. I think they know they're going to sell him as soon as they can. So, you know, this could be a sort of, like you just said, they're kind of a Brentford, uh, you know, Michelin, a kind of uh, money ball type thing where they're just selling off a lot of their young talents just to reinvest into the squad. And just yeah. there's a potential gap there for a club, you know, the likes of AIK, the likes of EF Core, the likes of, you know, Hammerby, they don't have as much money coming in. So this could be a long term play for no shopping that could reap dividends in, in the coming season. And I'm very, very sorry to hear that. Two of your favourite players have moved to the Russian League, Jonathan. Uh, maybe you'll have to have an FM21 save in, in the Russian League <laughs> or something along those lines, you know, just to uh, ease, soften the blow as such. You know, it, it's, it's good thing, isn't it? When I've been the same in Norway, where some players that you really get attached to and you love them, um, you just go. They're transferred out and you kind of, you know, I tend, I tend to lose touch of a lot of these players, sadly. But, um, well, I'm glad you at least let me talk about them. You were about to move on about 10 minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was indeed, and, and now I'm going to move on. <laughs> and uh, basically, uh, my question is um, for Katomar fans, do you have any positive words, or is it is it too late for them? Well, you can never write off Kalmar, can you? But unfortunately, I. It, you know, there's the six points off it now. They're five points behind EF Core in safety. Um, the joint with Falkenberg, who got a win recently, which, you know, Falkenberger, I thought they were doing, but they've just given themselves a bit of a lifeline with a, a win against Audible. A 2 1 win, a huge win that is for them, because otherwise they, they were looking completely dead. Um, I worry about Kalmar. They've got the worst uh, defensive record in the league 44 goals conceded in 24 games. They've got the worst goal difference in the league, minus 18. You know, they've scored 26 goals, which isn't too bad. You know, if you compare it, even Aust- they've scored more than Ostersons, they've scored more than AIK, in fairness. Um, the bottom four have all scored the same number of goals. EFCOR, Helsingborg, Falkenberg and Kalmar. But they just lose too many games. I really worry about Kalmar. And I think, I remember the words of their chairman at the, in pre-season saying, this season is just all about survival. He, he called it, you know, Kalmar usually have higher ambitions than that. But he, he, he sort of, um, it was a bit of a, 
he was a bit of a harbinger of doom, so to speak, because he, you know, he, I wrote down his comments. He said, this year is just all about staying up. And that, that did just stick in my mind a little bit. And it's looking like it might not happen for them. You know who I, who I, I, I'm worrying for? And that is Varberg. They, they've, they've lost four of their last five games. I've just looked at their fixture list. And near enough, all their remaining matches are against sides in the top uh, half of the table. I think they could be the side that gets sucked into danger. But is there also a danger for EF Core? Again, we seem to have this conversation most uh, podcasts, actually. They, they get a victory and then they kind of lose one. Um, they're still they're still hovering right above danger. I mean, which of those two sides would be more likely to be relegated, do you think? Yeah, and you make a very astute point there, Steve, because if you remember last season, it was Gif- there was always there's always one team who seems to just suddenly get sucked into it. And last season, it was Gif Sundsvall, and they got sucked in and buried um, when Falkenberg had that incredible escape, and then obviously Kalmar leapfrogged them as well and, and took the um, relegation playoff. And Cal- uh, you know Gif Sundsvall, they went through a period of time where they, they won two in a row, they beat Kalmar away, and everyone thought, well, they're, they're safe. And then they, they beat Sirius as well. They drew with no shopping and then they lost three in a row and went got relegated. So I think it's very astute to point out Varberg. Um, the last time I talked about Varberg on this podcast, I, I mentioned how much I, I quite like what they're doing. But they have, you know, sometimes you get a team who just, they, they, they sort of get to a point where they think they're safe, don't they? And they kind of switch off. You know, they've not won in five games now. Um, lost to no shopping at the, at the weekend. We just mentioned that with the Manchester United scouts watching them. Uh, lost at EF Core as well, which is key. They they drew with Kalmar, you know, lost to Helsingborg as well. They lost to Falkenberg, who, who were down there. So I think it's an astute point. And they have got tough games, like you say, Elsborg and AIK and Hammerby the next three games. Um, but yeah, on the subject of the the other teams, you know, I said it I said it before. You know, AIK have managed to get out of it now. Had a bit of a decent run of form there. Their signings, I think, have, have, have sort of turned it around. The new manager, Bartos Grizzlak, has, has managed to get some sort of rhythm for them. They're now pretty much clear of it. They're 10th. Um, EA, of course, still struggling. But but I just think there's three worse teams than them. I, th- I think Helsingborg, Helsingborg got a good 0-0 draw against Hacken today. Um, but they had three more injuries. And they, injuries have just been the story of their season, to be honest. Um, you know, one of the other keys of their season has been Anthony van den Herk. Who you know, I, I wrote, I, um, I made a video report on in preseason. He's actually smashed the uh, goal target that I, I gave him. I, I said he'd get eight to ten goals. He, he's beaten that. Um, he's he's really come good in the last few weeks and sort of proved himself. Um, you can go on Just Football YouTube to, to watch that video if you want. But uh, yeah, he he, I just think Helsingborg, Falkenberg, and Kalmar are kind of. I think those will be the bottom three. If I'm honest, uh, maybe Viber get sucked into it. Maybe Helsingborg get out of it, but. The worry with Helsingborg is just that injury record. They keep losing players to injury. Anders Lingendegaard came back recently. Uh, they had a player come on today after three, four months out and got injured and went off after 60 minutes. Uh, no, after half an hour, sorry. Um, they're picking up too many injuries. I I would be honestly surprised looking at the fixture. I don't think Varberg will, will score, score more than 30 points. So it's a question of whether someone in that bottom three can get up to that mark. So, um, and they may well not. So, it'd be interesting to follow this relegation battle. Falkenberg have just had a win as well. They're not dead and buried yet. There's always, it's always funny this, this battle down here. Teams come from nowhere to survive, and teams often get sucked in from nowhere. So, all eyes on that bottom end of the table. Um, well, let's, uh, before we finish the episode, move on to some listener questions. What have 
the uh, the people been throwing at us this week, John? Yeah, well, we've had a few. I mean, just just before we do move on, um, you mentioned you mentioned you know you just talked about people get teams getting sucked into it. Well, funny enough, the, the team with the lowest XG in the league is is Ostersund. Um, but but they've they've really doing been really doing well. They beat Sirius, who who were the star of our, our, our show last week. They beat them this week three two. I have to say I've been quite impressed with the Ostersons in terms of how they turned it around because I I really did think they'd they'd go down. But um, yeah, if you're looking at it, Varberg are, are quite comfortable. They've got 32 xg to their 33 scored, um, which is way above Helsingborg's Falkenberg's. Well, just above it and Kalmar's. But um, yeah, it's a good point. And yeah, of course, got 34 xg, but only 26 scored. So maybe they're going to need you know maybe they need a striker in, in in the winter. But yeah, we've had a few questions. And the first one we're going to address this week is from our good friend and loyal supporter, who is here for football. And he says, well, he says, Budiglimt has pretty much got the title in the bag. Is there anything that we're keen to keep an eye on as the season winds down? Is there anything in Norway, Steve, that you've kind of, you've got your eye on towards the end of the season? The the race for the... uh... The uh, the silver and uh, bronze positions is going to be close, and I think the relegation battle actually I've got a sneaking suspicion it's going to get quite intense. Um, but I, what I'm really interested in is how certain teams finish this season and start to set themselves up for 2021. Uh, you know, it's going to be a really intriguing year going forward. Uh, I think uh, positioning positioning themselves for the future. Like I, I kind of mentioned this earlier with Rosenborg a little bit, didn't I? But uh, there's always plenty to keep an eye on. Yeah, good stuff. There is, and I think, yeah, for me, I mean, the title race isn't done yet, so we we still got a bit to go. And, yeah, I'm interested in who's going to stay up. I just wonder if EF Core can get sucked into it. I saw someone create a fake Twitter account and uh, with the Super Retin logo, and when EF Core lost their most recent game, uh, they tweeted at EF Core saying, you know, see you next season. Um, but uh, that got a bit of traction. But, yeah, how that pans out will be interesting to see. And yeah, who, who else, what other players might leave or what other players are going to sort of turn it on and, you know, maybe attract other clubs is always something that I like to keep an eye on. So thanks a lot for that question. Uh, the next question we had was from Ted Cruz, my son. And it's another question on Norway. Is this the best chance a Norwegian team has got to going into the group stages in, in recent years? I'm liking Molder's chances. Yes, is the answer. He likes a straight answer, does Ted? So yes. There you go. Yes, indeed. <laughs> and uh, yeah, the next question is from. Well, we've got two actually. Two more. One is from Phil at Kirk Magic. He says, "Who are the players to watch for for the teams in Europe?" So have you got maybe one or two players to watch because we don't have any Swedish teams <laughs> in Europe. Yeah, Magnus uh, Magnus Wolf Ikram definitely. Um, is, is is the key player to watch out for Mulder, but uh, I would say um, if Ola Brynhilton is given uh, enough time to shine on the stage, he could be a, a winger there uh, who could attract the attention. He's got a bit of a flair and X factor to, to him, who um, who may well catch the eye for Mulder. But definitely Magnus Wolf Ikram is is the, is the main man. Great stuff. And then one final question, which was for me. And that is from La Bitacora del FPL, who is a Spanish account, I guess. 
And he has asked, who is going to be Osvenskan's top scorer in your opinion and top assist provider too? Very good question. And thanks a lot for listening to the show as always. Uh, La Bitakora. I'm going to say Isaac Kisatelin. I think um, he's got 11 goals. The top scorer at present is Christopher Niemann of North Shopping with 12. Uh, and then you've got Jesper Carlsen, who's obviously left now the league, gone to, to the Netherlands at AZ Alkmaar. You've got Kisatelin and then you've got Stefano Vecchia on 11. I think Vecchia's had a really good season, by the way. And obviously, Mohamed Saeed said he's the best player in Osvenskan, which was quite controversial, I thought, but uh, an interesting point. Um, but I think Kisatelin will take it. I think he's been really, really good for them. Malmo this season. I think he just added that that sort of guaranteed goals that they they needed. I think Rosenborg was coming to the end, the end of his time last season, and I think they lacked that kind of clinical goal scorer. Kisatelin scores goals. I think he'll end up top scorer. Um, and top assist provider currently is Gustav Ludvigsen of Hammerby. Um, and Bergman and Hansen, by the way, has seven, which for a seventeen-year-old, he's second joint second top scorer uh, assist provider, which is incredible. I'm going to go for. A, a bit of an outside bet on this one, and I'm gonna say I think I'm gonna give some love to Syria. So I'm gonna say I think either you Yasagita, Yukiya Sagita, who currently has six, and for Sirius, he's been incredible this season. Really lovely player, um, really nice dribbler. Sirius remind me a bit of um that kind of Mane Salah Firmino up front, to be honest, the way they the way they play and the way that Sugita and Vecchia kind of get through the flanks, they, they pick up the ball in wide areas and Sort of cut inside and hit and hit one. Um, got a real good relationship as well. Those three, obviously, Mohamed Saeed talked about it on the last show, so go back and listen to that. But I'm going to just say maybe he might sort of pick up three or four more assists and and and, and sneak it. That's just a bit of an outside tip. Interesting stuff. And I think that's pretty much about it for this episode. I don't know if there's anything else we we've got to talk about before we wrap up. But um, good uh, good show, my friend. Yeah, good show. Always good to have a, a chat with you about uh, football, my man. I uh, just want to give one last shout out before we leave. Thank you to all our Patreon subscribers and thank you to all our listeners, of course. Um, hope you enjoyed the exclusive interview. It went out on Patreon exclusively uh, as a bonus content. So I hope you enjoyed that and obviously anyone else who listened to it as well. Um, do hit us up if you're interested in, in you know, getting us a bit more carrot cake per month. <laughs> um, Patreon.com slash Nordic Football Podcast and if you did hear me munching on it, by the way, that was a really good, really good carrot cake. I'm not going to lie. Um, but yeah, you know, if you do want to sort of treat us, you know, you can, you can kind of sponsor us from $3 a month, $3, $4 a month, which is, which is nothing really. It's a price of like half a cup of tea for between us. So um, if you do enjoy the show and you do think you're getting value from it, then feel free. We, we'd be very welcome to have you follow us on Patreon. We're going to be putting some extra bonus content on there in the coming weeks as well, as we mentioned. And to the people who do currently, um, back us on patreon thank you very much as always and we really appreciate it and obviously if you're new to the show follow us on twitter at nordic Footpod and subscribe go on itunes leave a review tell us tell everyone how much you love us or if you hate us then i suppose you can tell everyone how much you hate us but i'd, I'd rather you told everyone how much you love us um if you did enjoy the show and you know that just helps us spread the word and uh, get the listener numbers up so that's about all i have to say for this episode yeah we enjoyed it mate and um yeah We'll be back there again very soon. Uh, thanks for listening. Take care. Stay safe. And goodbye. See you next time. And just before we go, tune in next week because we will have another special guest. So I uh, hope you look forward to that. But yeah, as well from me, Twitter at JFFootball and Twitter at Meaty Man Soccer for Steve Wiss. Cheers for listening and goodbye. <laughs>